Hello and welcome to the Bones Horror Podcast. This is episode 49, an American werewolf in London. Two American backpackers strolling across the Yorkshire moors at night quickly regret that decision and wish they were back at home watching the Muppet Show. What do you think was wrong? I have no idea. Maybe that pentangle was for something supernatural. Oh, I see. And they were too embarrassed to talk about it because they just felt so silly. (laughs) (laughs) They were ashamed. Yeah. Oh, please, don't rain. Oh, of course. Oh, David. Yes, I'm well aware of how pleasant the weather is in Rome at the present time. Thank you. Santa Lucia. Santa Lucia. Santa Lucia. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is our episode 49, An American Werewolf in London. Two backpackers from America are attacked by a werewolf on the Yorkshire Moors. That good introduction? What are you thinking? Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, it does set up very well. It sets up very well. So tonight we have with us Larry. Hello. And Jess. Hello. And Ewan. Hello there. From BBC News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just saying why my tripod just doesn't work um, on the table which is on, so I've just had to suffice with this. <laughs> That's brilliant, brilliant. Uh, so we're on our episode 49, which is amazing, really. We've got this far. Um, we're a big episode 50 next week, which we'll talk about in a bit. So normally I talk about what we've been up to, but I'm sure no one's really been in. You know, no one's interested. Um, I haven't done anything anyway, unless you guys have. Larry, been playing with little houses or? Yep. <laughs> 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 yeah no still 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 doing the filming with the miniatures um we've obviously we've got um two new dogs in at the moment so they've been they've been kind of the forefront their um attention at the moment but yeah oh, still nice. continuing so who's with baby yoda this week in the background sound like a it sounds like that's, a, that is, that is a douglas yep, yep it's, <laughs> it's it's actually yeah so it's douglas the orangutan which ah. he does have his he does have episodes on on youtube if you do want to watch them so search for that you know you'll find uh, you it. know i'd love to so uh yes. we're, we're, yeah i've met douglas before <laughs> he looks great my son has a, a similar one his, his name's not douglas though but uh yeah very nice <laughs> be weird if his name was douglas yeah that would be, that would be weird so oh. jess just been working all week i expect working yeah i've got uh an exciting kind of job interview next week mm. um so yeah next week hopefully i might have some cool news but let's hope so i'm sure you will yes. have Fingers i'm crossed. sure you will yeah you're in you've been playing with little houses or orangutans uh, or anything not, not not yet i mean it's sort of um yeah i mean my, my i'm a i'm a film and tv critic so i just sort oh, of wow i yeah. just watch loads of stuff and then review it really so uh it's sort of uh, yeah. It's been it's been really fun. Um, I'm taking a week off next week, so that'll be that'll be nice as well. So You'll probably need one after episode fifty. I would have thought. <laughs> so yeah, it's 
Yeah, that, that's great. So, got someone who knows what they're doing. Well, three people who know what they're doing now. I mean, you say I'm that. I mean, I was, I, yeah, I, mean, I was listening to I was listening to last week's episode, and I was very intimidated about coming on because you mentioned so many films I just hadn't heard of, and it was like. <laughs> This God, is why I'm... I sit here in silence. I just make names <laughs> up here. I don't know about it. So I just make I, mean, I totally know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. yeah, I love horror. And, and I, we used to have guys on who did the podcast and they hated it. And it was always a little bit of a struggle, to be honest with you. So um, it's great to have. I presume you like horror. Ewan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I being mean, presumptuous. Yeah, but, I mean, it was only a realization that I came to, like, I think. I don't know, probably like two years ago, because it just it just just so happened that a lot of my favourite movies that came out were just horrors, so yeah. stuff like I don't know, Midsummer or Hereditary, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, were just sort of like amazing films, and they just happened to be horrors. And then I realised, oh yeah, a lot of other films I've been watching are horrors too, and I really like them. So yeah, I just think they're more interesting. I think mm. generally, and mm. I've been like that since I was about eight or nine. Mm. And to be honest, one of the you might think it's weird, but one of the first things I ever watched that really got me into horror was Michael Jackson's Thriller, which might seem a bit odd, but that was directed by, you know, John Landis, the director of American Werewolf of London. So, like, it was one of those, one of those things. From then on, I think I must have been only, what, nine years old, maybe? And I always was watching horror, sneaking it, Films even like The Entity, which I should not have been watching at <laughs> 11 years old or whatever I was at the time. Um, but, yeah, it's quite addictive. And all I ever read is horror as well. Just, a, you know, horror, horror, horror. A bit of sci-fi, but mainly horror. So, should we move on to the movie? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. I know Larry will have a bit to say. I haven't Larry always has a bit to say. <laughs> yeah. So this this movie was made in 1981. Well, it came out in 1981 at a budget of 5.8 million dollars. Box office of 62 million, which is a huge amount for for that time. I think massive amount. Um, Rotten Tomatoes. What are we thinking, guys? Hmm. I'd say 75. Okay. I was going to say 70. Yeah. You see, it's interesting because I, I think American Werewolf has got sort of, has gained cult status like over mm. the years. And I wonder if it actually did. I mean, I think uh, at the time it wasn't, it wasn't critically lauded and it only yeah. took like a few. So I might even go for, um, I, I do like the film by the way, but I, but yeah. I think um, uh, maybe in the sixties. Well, I'm getting 87 at the moment, so I'm not sure what what you're saying may be right there. At the time, it wasn't lauded, but like mm-hmm. maybe the Rotten Tomatoes score has gone up yeah, over probably, time. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it might well have come out and never got panned, really. Mm. But it made a lot of money. Yeah, It's, it's an extraordinary amount, really, mm. um, for that time. So John Landis, he directed it. He's kind of famous. And I just picked some movies out that interested me from, from his massive catalogue. Um, so Blues Brothers was one. The Three Amigos, which I love. Which is a great movie. So some people might hate it. I think Coming to America was on there. Obviously, you had the yeah, Michael Jackson thriller. I think Beverly Hills Cop 3, I think he directed, which was, I think, terrible, I think. Uh, and, and, and a few others. 
But like for me, I love the Three Amigos. But it seems that he had a few comedy movies, and then this this movie was kind of yeah. Well, he sort of. Um, I mean, I, I think in the late seventies he did Animal House, which yeah. most people know, and then in nineteen eighty he did Blues Brothers, and then straight after that, pretty much nineteen eighty one was American Werewolf in London, which almost com- comes out of nowhere. You sort of don't expect him to do it, to do a horror, um, and then and then he went on to do. I think it was Trading Places next. Yeah, which is and a then good thriller. Film. Yeah. So I think his like his like zenith in his career was the eighties. Um, that all went cool. bit down, a little bit downhill. <laughs> <laughs> but say I, I do like the Three Amigos. I find that highly entertaining. Yeah. Um, so it starred David Norton as David. Yeah. I want to discuss him because I'm not quite sure how good at acting he was. I don't know how you think about it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Compared to the others, I don't know. So you had um, Jenny. Now, I wrote, do you know how I destroy names? Right. <laughs> so I've actually written it down, like, so I can say it. So her name was Jenny Aguta. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think I, I destroyed that? No, I think my parents pronounced it this evening. I'm trying to remember because I, I think they, they're quite well um, <laughs> versed in the career of... Because uh, she's um, she's also in Call the Midwife at the moment. Yes, um, she's yeah, she's, she's in that now. Yeah, I, I, but I think... What Agata did I say it is? Or something. Agatha. Agatha. Yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> so she played Nurse Alex Price. Um, Jack Goodman. Was right, Griffin Dune. I've probably written this down wrong, it's terrible, isn't it? So he played Jack Goodman. Um, you had Brian Glover, who I quite like. He was in, was he in Kez? Has everyone seen Kez? Must have seen it at school, isn't he? The Kestrel, yeah, isn't he? The coach or something, yeah. So he was in, he was in films, I remember him quite clearly. And then, if you ever watch Bottom, you ever watch Bottom, yeah, I think he was in the episode. He might have been in the episode over in Gas Man or one of the others. He's yeah. definitely in an episode. Well, it's of, funny you mentioned Bottom because I yeah. think uh, Rick Mayle is, is briefly in it. Yeah, he's. Uh, che- I wrote this down because Brian Glover is chess player number one. Yeah. Rick Mayle, who are American listeners. We have a lot of American listeners here, and by the way, half oh. our listeners are American. So they would have heard of Drop Dead Fred, without a doubt. And that's probably the only reason they would know who he is. Hmm. Um, so Rick Mayer was the second chess player. Hate that film? What a classic! <laughs> I know it's a classic. What? There are two classic films. I grew that, up on that film. Yeah, there are, there are two that I get that always get called out if I say I don't like them. And what one one of them um, would be Drop Dead Fred, but the other one I don't like, which I know what the reaction will be. But I'm sorry, I don't like it, and that's The Goonies. Bloody I just hell. don't like it. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sort of ambivalent about the Goonies. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't really mind that you don't like it. It was just, uh, it was, uh, for me, it was just a sort of, yeah, it was fine. I, I'm not that big fan. Hey, you guys. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> right. So, we'll just briefly talk about the sequel, okay? An American Werewolf from Paris. I think it was 1997. That had a Rotten Tomatoes of 7%. And I think it did make money. Not a lot. 
Well, mm. I think I actually did make money, but I've never seen it. Have you guys seen it? No. Yeah. Just Larry. It's, ter- it's terrible. Okay. It's so you should have picked that for next week, shouldn't you? <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing. Like, it's not. I can understand what they were trying to do. And obviously, when we go into the obviously the first one, I understand what they were trying to do following on from it. But basically, the best way to put it is they for every uh, practical effect that you'd think, oh, they're going to redo really that in a different way. They just turned it to CGI, but the CGI just wasn't to par. And the story itself, the acting, oh, okay, it's just I'd give it a miss, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> stick with I'll them. Probably, just I'll with think the why I've given it a miss. It just didn't. And it's French. I'm sorry, French listeners. Um, so we're going to go into the review now. And now I'm going to bring something back for this episode. And the guys couldn't believe it when I brought this in to the podcast, right? So I like to talk about the beginning of, a, of the, you know, the movie. And then the middle. And what do you reckon the third thing we want to talk about is? They couldn't believe it, The end. So if we can discuss, because there's not a lot to this movie, if you break it down, and I think it suits it really well, because you've got a bit at the beginning on the moors, and you've got a bit in the middle where he mucks about in the house and mucks about in the zoo, Mm. yeah, and then there's a bit at the end. Yeah, so I think if we just go through those bits, Larry can go through those bits, because, like, there are a few things. (laughs) I want to talk about, like, the music and things, which is quite upbeat, I think. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And some, some weird really scenes that seem to be too long. There's lots of these scenes that are just... I think this film could have been an hour long. Um, so, Larry. So what are your thoughts? Because <laughs> in the beginning of the movie, there's there's some lads and they're a backpacking in the Yorkshire Moors. No idea why you'd go to the Yorkshire <laughs> Moors from America. Nice sunny place. Oh, we'd just stroll around the moors in the middle of the night. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They go in a pub, and it's exactly like most pubs are. Do you know what I mean? In the middle of nowhere. I live in the middle of nowhere. You go in a pub, everyone stops, the music stops, yep. everyone looks at you. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's exactly like that. What are you doing here? Yeah. Got a new, do you know what I mean? Fuck off. But like, yeah. it's, it's exactly like that. But so America, but I think the that's kind what, of beginning, like... it makes no sense to me Yeah. what they were doing there. But I think that's what, like... It's it's interesting that sort of with John Landis, um, he sort of gets British culture right, which is quite rare for American filmmakers to do, I think. They're they're trying to sort of impersonate. I mean, you see it a lot as like, I don't know, in in fantasy series that aren't Game of Thrones or Mm. period dramas like Bridgerton, where it's like a very American perspective on what Britishness is. They often get it very, very wrong. But it's it's interesting here that John Landis gets that pub scene completely right. Exactly um, right. right. Exactly right. There's no food here. (laughs) It's just... I suppose you didn't yeah. throw a bag of crisps at him or something. I was going to say, like, pork scratchings or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was expecting. Still <laughs> bowl no, it, of peanuts, you know? Right. I think, yeah, I think I think it works. Like, I, the, the whole beginning, like, when they walk on the more in the dark, I think is, is shot really well. Because yeah. I think it could have been very dull. But the idea of it, like... I, I mean, I think we did actually look at this scene in uni, in uni um, where 
they had two the two characters walking into basically if you watch the scene again it is just into different patches of land there's nothing actually around but the way it's conveyed is almost like the you know the repeating nothingness of like you can hear it and that we never truly see it and i think that's something that this film just in general does well is the construction of the werewolf like i think a lot of films sometimes get it not not wrong but it can look a bit cheesy um you know completely polar opposite would be like dog soldiers which kind of shows you straight from the get-go like this is what they are and the design of them is 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 also great but yeah i think it works a great setup um for the rest of the it, film i think it's like i've watched it a few times over the years since since the 80s i probably watched it in the 80s so like that scene at the beginning is is amazing. I think it just draws you in. It's what you remember. I remember that scene much more than the end. I kind of, when I was watching it again, I watched it for a few years. It's I remembered everything that happened at the beginning, but hardly anything from the zoo onwards. You know, yeah. until I watched it again. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so that's the main thing that sticks in your mind. And after that. I'm not so sure on the movie. You know, it's maybe a bit of filler. I don't know. You might disagree. But, yeah, that's how that's how I feel about it. So, uh, But I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what Jess thinks about it, really, as a first-time <laughs> watch. Um, yeah. I, I like the beginning. I like the yeah. scene. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and the music and everything. But... And he missed the dartboard. That's amazing. Mm. Well, I've never missed that dartboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I think the whole British pub thing was done brilliantly. Um, I just, I felt like it was lacking something. I just didn't feel any connection with the main character, which I think you'll see. He's saying about like the can acting. Act. I'm not sure. Can, well, I don't think he could act. Mm. And. Yeah. I don't think he's been in many movies after that, really. He's probably been in a lot, but nothing I've ever heard of. Yeah. Well, he, um, he's quite a sort of um, he's 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 quite an, he's in quite a lot of TV. I mean, mm. that's where he started. I think he started his career in TV, and I think he's I think he's in. Um, I haven't seen it, but um, I think he's in This Is Us, the sort of Amazon Prime series. I think that's mm. David Morton. Um, but it's interesting you say that because I because I kind of think his acting suits the suits the type of film that it is he was likable yeah. i lo I liked him yeah and also with the character i mean uh, it is interesting because i because i i read a specific article before i watched the film again um it, it was quite interesting I, I think it's by um uh it's by anton Battelle who's who writes for, who wrote for uh little white lies and he said that um that the film from his perspective was essentially about the alienation of being a foreigner in um in a different country and i think you kind of i think you kind of get that from his performance and his character where he just feels alienated from everywhere and it obviously kicks off with the pub scene where like they're all looking at him because they're just they're just not you know part of their lives sort of thing and i think um I think that's right, and I, and I think you know him turning into a werewolf just makes him even more alienated, um, mm. and I think that's what makes his character quite interesting. I think. Mm. I think for someone in that situation as well, like mm. I think, <sighs> I think is that like if you if 
I think it works for the film in that, like, you know, when he's in the hospital and, you know, he doesn't quite know what's going on at first and he gets the realization that obviously his friend is, you know, is dead. And, that, you know, they, they talk about how, um, when he when he sees his friend again for the first time and they kind of talk about, you know, um, who went to the funeral and stuff. I think it's that very it's played well in that the feeling you'd have in that situation of being somewhere you don't particularly know and kind of i think obviously the guilt that he feels because like in the beginning they obviously talk don't they about like and jack's very specific saying like oh, i don't want to i don't want to you know we could be anywhere else but we've chosen to be here in like you know when they hop off of the van with the the sheep but yeah, yeah maybe, maybe i'm being a bit harsh on david because obviously the chemistry between between those two was amazing i really like that um especially when he's dead yeah in in the yeah. little porn cinema thing i think that was all quite funny and it, it was clever and i enjoyed that so it's just very and he very deteriorates funny. he deteriorates yeah, yeah. doesn't he every time we see him he's more because he can't move on until like the curse has been lifted which again is just it's it's something that works so well in that film and there's like these horror like really scary moments in that film like that that vision he has when he runs through the woods and then he's just in the yeah, hospital well, bed and it's like really quick on his two, face yeah two I, hang on i've got jess ringing me because she's gone offline oh this dear. is amazing hello <laughs> hello what's happened oh no Hello, everyone. Jessica's internet's gone. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hopefully, reboot reboot it and see if you can get back on. And uh, we'll carry on. All right? <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. All right, bye. Right, that sounds funny on the podcast. I tell you, a little gap there where I'm going. Yeah, hello, right. Yeah. Anyway, that... that was Jess just called me to say her internet's gone down. Yeah, I did think so at good. one point. Yeah. Did think at one point. I could see. I could see <laughs> yeah, Jess yeah, on the I screen frozen. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know if I didn't know if that was just Jess being very no, still. She just disappeared on mine, and then says she's offline. So uh, we'll just carry on without her, and hopefully she'll be back. It's the horrors of bit. technology, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think she liked the movie. I was getting that kind of feeling. Um, Are we just going to talk she, about her behind? Uh, like, when yeah, yeah. <laughs> still like it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. So it's, um, their it's chemistry was great. Um, should we should we talk about maybe the the transformation scene, which is very long? Yeah, I think the first one. I think yeah, there's it's full yeah, transformation, it, isn't it, in the flat? It yeah. goes on for a few minutes, doesn't it? I'm sure it. It looks quite oh, yeah, painful, love... to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I I love it personally. Yeah. Um, and it was funny actually because I again I was I was sort of reading around before I came on here, and um, the uh, the makeup artist or the or the creator, the makeup creator was it was it Rick Baker. Rick Baker? Yeah, I believe yeah, yeah. so. I didn't do my research on that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. And it was funny because um, he was—he'd also worked as a consultant on *The Howling*, which came out in the same year as *American Werewolf in London*. And mm. interesting enough, um, he was working 
on the Howling with um, uh, Rob Bottom, who was the uh, visual effects guy for the thing and everything like that. Nice. And it's and it's funny watching um, the werewolf transformation scenes from both movies and sort of comparing them um, because you can clearly see. I mean, Rob Bottom is obviously a genius in in other fields. Uh, in, in this field and it's sort of um and it, there's like a different it's very sort of thingish and very sort of surreal in a weird way in the howling but mm. with american werewolf in london there's just so much more i don't know there's so much more pain and so much more yeah. sort of you really feel that he's transforming and you know yeah. really sort of transfiguring and stuff and i think that's what like john landis wanted i i, I think i saw a i saw a quote from him that was like um, all the other sort of werewolf movies that I know, um, sort of the transformation happens like via like dissolves and stuff like that. Whereas he wanted like the audience to feel the pain of him transforming. And I think you it's certainly really feel it. Yeah, you yeah. Saw, I think he played that really well as well. Some um, of those effects as well, and like how they did them, like the hair being obviously like pulled through, yeah. and then obviously just in reverse having them like flow out just it's very clever and it just looks like you say it looks painful do you think that took a lot of time to do obviously yeah money but well i think it was it took a week to do it's a week of shooting on that specific scene which is a long time and i think it was like you know there were pretty much whole days where he would be in this makeup stuff and i think also they wanted it so I think to capture the sort of the fact that it's a full moon and it's shining brighter and they wanted the set to be completely uh, like like flooded with lighting, basically. So as well as being under all that makeup and stuff, he was also really, really hot as he was getting under there. So I imagine it was actual pain that he was feeling as he was, yeah. uh, as he was going through it. Yeah, definitely. It's so good. Like there are part, there are definitely parts of that film. I think, um, definitely work there are there are some parts though that i do i like i do agree that the pacing in the middle uh in the second act i guess is very is much slower to what you're kind of introduced to but yeah yeah it's i think it's one of those things that if if i I kind of feel like it's almost intentional though because obviously it's that like you get your first kind of like shock and then throughout the film it's very much a slow build-up to that first transformation. There, there are some bits that confuse me, Larry. Mm. Yeah? Yep. Every episode, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> so, why was he kind of being hunted by German zombie, Nazi zombies, or whatever they were? Oh, that's a good question. I think... Um, I always well this is this is, would be a, just from my own personal opinion but I feel as though it's I mean I, there probably is some form He was of, Jewish of, I presume yeah yeah and I, I feel that... as yeah I feel as though it's kind of his his fear and interpretation like you know for instance they burst in on his family while they're sat yeah. watching TV and having a lovely you know like <clears throat> the scene is set up perfectly as oh look at that it's such a happy family burst straight in and it's that fear of i guess i, I always t- almost take it as an analogy as well for the for the film of like the curse of it is that if he doesn't prevent what's going to happen more innocent people are just gonna yeah succumb cause, to it because initially i thought well maybe it's like 
he is maybe the person, the very first or someone in the bloodline was like, do you see what I mean? Maybe he absorbed some of the memories from each. Like bloodline. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously when that bloodline's gone, all the dead people yeah. can go off. And So I was thinking maybe they're all memories of other people, but then it kind of confused me as things do. But I, uh, um, but I, th- I think also it adds, um, I mean, I'm a massive fan of um, using dreams in, yeah. in movies. I'm like a, a massive fan of David Lynch and what he does with dreams and like horror and stuff. And I think it just adds a, a another layer of unease and uncertainty about what you're watching. Um, and, you know, it kind of, it has that kind of dream within a dream effect as well. So that you're even, you're even more uncertain about the reality, which is around you. And I think one of his influences was um, Louis Bunuel, the surrealist filmmaker who also did this sort of dream within a dream uh, sort of structure. And I, th- I think it's really, really effective in how it sort of creates that, that fear within you. Yeah. Um, because I, okay, I mean, I'm I'm not that familiar with sort of werewolf movies, and I don't know if this is the common structure of having bad dreams when you're about to sort of transform into a wolf. But it's sort of, um, I think it's quite mm. effective. Yeah, they play on that in certain, like in different horror, in different werewolf films. Like some, obviously, like when you're transforming, you get like you can. I know in some, like they, I can't remember exactly which one specifically, but I know in one, it's like the sound around them is so like heightened, so like little like more little things like picking up on such little things mm. and then revert over to in their thought process but yeah it works so well i think in american wealth because you'll go from a scene where he'll be handed breakfast in the hospital and he's like i don't really want it i'm not hungry to then cutting to then him running through the the trees and then suddenly seeing like a deer and then just ripping yeah ripping its like throat out and then like you know eating it just suddenly then cutting straight back to normality you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, and it's great. You know, I I think those sequences are great, and also you sort of you see a lot of him. You see a lot of David Norton, um, in terms of just sort of him yep. being completely naked, and it, and it's quite interesting, really, when you sort of. I often think that when I look at sort of movie these sorts of movies from the eight the seventies and eighties, I think there are a lot more times when men are naked. Um, yeah. and it's, it's really interesting because you don't you don't i mean there's a bit there's a bit more of a, sur- a surge now i guess because you know yeah. um of you know feminism and cinema and stuff like that and and trying to sort of equalize the nudity so, so to speak yeah but it's sort of it, it's always quite interesting to see like more men naked in the 70s and 80s than, than they are now it's quite <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you think that kind of goes in with it as well that for like do you think that was obviously yes he you know physically tears his clothes and stuff but i quite like the idea of the scenarios he's in when that is kind of adds to that feeling of feeling out of place because he's not yeah. only like he's not only just you know he's got this where you know the whole the 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 bio scratch from the werewolf but then you know when he's running around in the zoo and he wakes up just naked in the zoo and it's that yeah. feel of like just not having a clue what's gone on and then feeling like you don't know yeah. where to go Exactly, well, and I and I think that plays with like as you say the sort of the you know because we've all had that dreams those dreams of being naked in a sort of public space, and it's kind of that just sort of um, as you say. Have we? On... Oh, okay, okay, no, I, I have. have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you sort of, and also they they they. Uh, this is sort of going slightly off tangent, but it's that they they play the humor of that so well, and I, I'm a big fan of sort of. Um, the balloons. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah with the that. balloons. Yeah, and and I really like the sort of <laughs> uh, in, in in movies in general. I I, lo- I really like the sort of comedy shots where it's like a wide shot and someone running really fast across the screen, and he does that when he picks up that woman's jacket, and it's yeah. such a hilarious shot. It's one of my favorite shots in the film. It's just it's just it's just so funny. And I think yeah. the humor again again that that's something is that the, the humor in the film is sort of um is sort of uh, it, it's just incredible how they're able to meld those two genres mm. together um it's not something that that can often be done very well and i think it's actually really done it's done it's done almost perfectly in the, in this film i think yeah why do you go to a zoo just to be with wolves or i think yeah, yeah that kind of just just staying about with some wolves yeah i think that's kind of maybe like as when he was probably their faces ending. Their faces when he'd woke up and they looked at him. That's brilliant. What are you yeah, yeah, like, doing in here, you idiot? Also, also, <laughs> also, speaking of sort of um, animal instincts, I, I've got to go to the toilet right now. I know that's really unprofessional. No worries. But I, but I, I think I'll, I'll be back Jess has gone second. for a long one. I won't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back in two you seconds. You carry on. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. But yeah, no, I do, I do, I think what's interesting as well is like, um, especially with the cast, like you say, I think that the, when, in regards to the, the, you know, not, not just the lead, but the secondary cast members, I actually think that they do, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, I would say that they do a definite, like, superb job of, of, playing those roles perfectly like like i said um in the in the last podcast when we were discussing to watch this film i actually really love the the friend character jack just just yeah he's just, very just be- good yeah. yeah he's it's so just again clever how how they interpret it in of you know he's this lingering spirit because he can't move on and it's like getting over that grief of of the fact of you know feeling guilty for for what's happened to then have him show up and he's just has that comedic way about him like when he's just shows up in the mirror as he shuts and he's just behind him with that bit of skin just holding off it's just <laughs> it's it's just his delivery as well and it, it works perfectly i think well, I, I think, think the cast a, was good the doc the doctor was good they they're all they're yeah. all good um i just thought david at times was a bit Maybe wouldn't yeah. I? Don't, I don't know, but he, he yeah, was very funny. He, he was very, he was very funny. I enjoyed it. I don't think Jess is going to get back on tonight. Um, oh no, because she reckons her, she just can't get back into the group. So she did yeah. ring earlier, but we carry on. Yeah, you know we carry on. Internet um, can be always. So a in a minute, because obviously we, we're we're heading. You know, I don't want to be on this for hours. Um. So I'm really I'm. I'm pleased we watched it, and I'll watch it again next year. I'll get I'll put it on Blu-ray, so mm. I've got all the extras to watch now. Yeah, um, I guess the ending. The ending would be yeah. So we can you know get on to the bit that I like to call the end, which I know is a new thing, Larry, <laughs> on the podcast for you. But like we used to do it because we just drone on forever, otherwise. So there's enough about the middle and a bit about the end because obviously he goes on a bit of an attack spree when he turns um, and ends up on the London Underground. Mm. And I don't even think he paid for his ticket or anything like that. <laughs> he just he just snuck in there and started biting people, killing yeah. 
He's quite hungry, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that, that first scene where I think the first time you see him when mate he's falling down on the escalator. Um yeah. and for our American listeners, I'm gonna to explain to you what an escalator is. It's like a it's like some metal stairs <laughs> that move. You know, Tijera from Sweden, he'd love this. So these things they move, right, and then they kind of disappear and go round and go up again. So you, you, it's kind of you stand on it and it moves you up. <laughs> so this it's it's quite good. So like he's laid on it and this thing's moving him up, and at the bottom of the escalator, he, I think it's the first time you see this black hairy American werewolf, and I, I love that bit. It's quite it's sinister and it, it's it's good and it doesn't look too bad. But mind you, the werewolf doesn't look that big. I don't know. Mm. It didn't come across as being a, a massive one. Um, mm. Obviously, he just eats him. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of that, really. There's, there's a yeah. lot of him running around biting people and eating people. Does he kill everyone? Is that is that the end of the bloodline? Um, yeah, because he goes around the street. He, he basically, like, he ends up in the cinema, like, watching... Um the 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 port like port and he, he sees all the the people he's killed um who have now fallen to that curse of not being able to uh to move on and they yeah. basically give him the ultimatum of saying like look you're gonna have to take your own life it's the only way to stop this yeah. you know if you don't you're gonna turn again tonight when it's a full moon and he you know there's parts in the film where he does he debates it and it gets to the point at that where it becomes a full moon he goes through the streets of London, kind of just taking out people left, right, and center. Some I know there's a scene yeah. where all the cars crash together and just people are flying out the windows. And yeah, inevitably he you know, like ends up. <laughs> yeah, he, he he ends up in like an alleyway, and he's cornered, and and yeah. uh, the nurse tries to talk him down. And there's like I guess there's a hint of that he can kind of because they kind of glimmer on that shot of him staring at her right before, but then. He goes to attack her. They shoot him, yeah. and it and it and it ends. It just very abruptly kind of ends after that. Like he lays, lays there, and I think it's. That's... I I would say it kind of hints to it being the end of the bloodline if you don't count the sequel. Yeah, but yeah, I I actually really I actually really like that ending. I, I it's, it, it it's interesting because I I watched this film for the first time when I was a teenager. So I think when I was about fifteen. And I remember not really liking it because I thought the ending was very um, anticlimactic, which a lot of people still think. And I, you know, I don't judge that. But I, I actually look back at it now, and I, th- I actually think it's great, and I think it's actually really bold to end like that because I think you've also it, it, it's obviously quite a, you know a tragic shot, a final shot to end on. Um, you know, this character that we've like come to, come to like in some ways um, just, just suddenly die, and then cut, and it cuts to a. I can't remember what the song is, but it's it's quite you know it's quite yeah. a hubris, joyful song. It reminded me a bit of um, the ending of um, Reservoir Dogs in a way, where mm. just like Harvey Keitel's there. Spoiler: it, he 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 gets <laughs> shot, and then it cuts to Coconut by whatever the band is, and it's sort of that <laughs> kind of. I think it's like a, almost like a release because obviously that last scene is really. Um, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's quite scary. It's quite bloody, and as you say, bodies flying out the windows, being crushed, and it's yeah. just sort of chaos. And actually, it took um, uh, the, John Landis had to persuade the Met Police in order to film in Piccadilly Circus, 
um, which hadn't been filmed for about 15 years prior. And what, what John Landis did is that he, he, he decided to screen, uh, do a special screening of the Blues Brothers for like 300 members of the Met Police and wow. persuade them to, to film there. And and I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but apparently it was just so complicated to film Piccadilly Circus. They just had to stop the traffic, film for a bit, and then yeah. resume the traffic and then go back. It just, just sounds like a nightmare, but it, it did yeah. it very well. Something I thought about, you know, I should have wrote it down really, but there was a scene where David's wanting to be arrested. So he's, yeah. he's given the policeman some abuse and the policeman's taken it. Now, I know for a fact, <laughs> for a fact in the 80s, that like he would have got smashed round the head <laughs> so quickly <laughs> with a baton, like, like with a trungeon. That's what we call them here, American listeners. Trungeon. <laughs> he would have been gobbing off. He just would have got smashed about so yeah, quickly. Yeah. But this policeman was like, oh, come on. It's mm. never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It, 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 it's funny. I was talking earlier about, like, things that John Landis gets right about British culture. And then there are just, like, a, a few things that he just gets he got um, that wrong. wrong. Yeah. And it's mm. just the police is, the policeman there is a very sort of, again, what, what sort of people outside of our country think that policeman in our country's like so it's very sort of hello 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 what's going on here then sort of yeah. sort of policeman and stuff like that yeah. that's just not how, how it works that's probably I also not thought... how police are now really they would have gone yo calm down calm down but yeah. in the 80s there mm. would have been none of that yeah, yeah. i mean I, I mean i thought the same about the um uh the scene where uh the werewolf uh kills all the homeless people I thought it was very oh, interesting yeah. that way because because it, it just didn't look to me like those were British homeless people. It just seemed like they were very like American like idea of what a homeless person is. They're sort mm. of like wrapped up around the fire um, in a yeah. in a in a sort of scrapyard environment by the Thames River. Now I'm not, I'm not I, like I, I I have quite an intimate. Um, uh, relationship with London. I, I don't think that that exists. <laughs> a sort of scrapyard <laughs> right by Tower Bridge by the Thames. I mean, there might be, but yeah, I, I think it's very unlikely. But um, yeah. but yeah, so, so you you sometimes get those little bits where it's not quite. I don't think it's quite going into British culture, but it's still it's still quite fun. I think. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's a great movie. So, shall we move on to uh, boners? So on yeah. this podcast. We rate things and boners. Always have done. Not sure why. Out of ten. So sorry, you. But like, <laughs> I, I'm going to give it an eight because it's mm. highly entertaining. It's a classic. I could watch it time and time again. It doesn't yeah. bore me at all. It's just it's fun. There's that mm. those transformation scenes every time. Yeah, it's very very long. I think maybe even the director said it was too long. Um. But it's entertaining. It's it's great. So you know, it'll be on my list again next year, mm. year after, year after that. So for me, eight. You, Larry? Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. It's a sol- I'd say it's a solid um, eight out of ten because I re- I returned to that film quite a bit. Um, I recently updated my copy that I got, um, and yeah, I I really enjoy it. I think the the effects are great. I think that it's a, it's a good again a good film to put on and watch if you and especially if you like a werewolf film like you know you want a good there isn't many good werewolf films are there really yeah exactly and and i think this fits perfectly into a good werewolf film 
Um, and it's and like like said in this podcast, like it's got it's got humor, it's got it's serious, but it's got good scares. Um, and so yeah, I think I think yeah, definitely yeah, ten. Could I? You? Um, I I actually think I'll go high. I th- I'll go for about a nine because I think also. When I was watching it again, I mean, it's, it's an interesting experience watching again after about 10 years. Mm. There are certain familiar elements um, uh, that are there, but then you have forgotten loads of stuff about it. So I, I almost enjoyed the experience more. But also, I think I enjoy the experience more because I've watched more films in those 10 years. You sort of recognize certain sort of, it, you know, it's deliberately being very self-referential. Like when they go out the slaughtered, uh, like um, are outside the slaughtered lamb, and they're like, "Why would you go? Why would you want to go in a pub like that?" You know, and, and it's quite lamb. funny because like obviously, yeah, and it's sort of. And I, I also really like there's a bit um, which is sort of self-referential, sort of referential in a different way, in that there's there's a bit where he's in the bathroom, and he presses the mirror cupboard forward to reveal um, uh, Jack, his friend, and that shot is is done in Shaun of the Dead. Like, like, pretty much yeah. shot for shot with um, Peter Serafinowicz's character, and I, it was one of those moments where I'm just like, "Oh, that's that's Edgar Wright copied that. That wasn't that yeah. wasn't original. He just copied that." It's, you know, it's just one of those moments where you're like, as like, like when you were like a fan of films and stuff, you just really like those little references, and it's yeah, like yeah. It's, it just makes it more fun. So yeah, I, I'd go nine. Great. I'm not sure on Jess. I've asked her, but um, she can't get back in, so. I don't know. I don't. I think she might only give it a five or a six. But I'm not. Yeah. Definitely sure. But um, Jess likes horror, Ewan, but she hasn't watched enough, and that's probably my fault. I've heard um, as much. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably my fault. So she's. But I am introducing her to more and more. So hopefully, she'll catch yeah. up soon enough. Um. Yeah. So that's like eight and a half or. At least eight, isn't it? Which is good. Not quite as good as last week's, but decent. Decent. Yeah. So, shall we move on to what we watched this week? What have you been watching? No, seriously. What have you been watching? Now, no. I love this. I've got these little yeah. buttons I can press. This is great. <laughs> so, like, this, this is so different to how I normally do it. Um... I'm going to talk about... I only watched a couple of things, really, um, which is terrible me, really. I watched Monster by Matt Shaw. Have you heard of that? Nope. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Now, there's an author called Matt Shaw that I do know, and it's a very long story, but I've been to his house, and I've met him, and I've got signed books, etc. by him. Um, he made a film a few, two or three years ago called Monster, Um, based on one of his books. It is... Let me see. It can't be very far away. That's a bit annoying. (laughs) It's right here. Um, Here we go. So, Monster. It looks like that. Okay, it's signed. Can you see? So anyway, yes, I've got a big poster on my, got a big poster on my wall. So I watched that again, which is a story about a family. A a the dad is very violent and not very nice at all. His mother was uh, played by a lady called Tracy Shaw, who used to be on Coronation Street. 
and you know who she is. She's quite famous. You'd know if she saw her. Um, and their son, who seems to like eating people. So uh, they, kid they kidnapped <laughs> some people, and the book's kind of very, very good. Um, and the film is based on that, and kind of... <laughs> I'll tell you that, that you are hereby invited to a party you'll never survive... That's the uh, the tagline or whatever they call it. Um, so they they kidnap people and they disappear and get eaten and things like that. So I watched that. I don't want to give too much away. If you want to watch it, Larry, I'll make sure it gets to you unless you've seen it already. Um, I, I don't believe I've seen it, but I know no, I, it's, from the front it's on cover, Prime. Right? I think I, I think you might have bought it on Prime. I'm not sure, but he's released. Three or four. There's that Freddy film as well. He's acted in that one. Yeah. Up All Night, I think that's called. Um, so I watched that again. I quite, I enjoy it. I love the book. Is what got me into reading Matt Shaw, to be honest. Um, so I watched that. Do you want to turn or do you want me to carry on? Oh, no, it's completely up to you. It's completely up to you. Well, I can't, I'm going to... I did mention that I watched Mother's Day. I think it's 1980-ish. And I watched the yeah. Shutter. I logged in on the VPN and got the Joe Bob Briggs version. You, you know who Joe Bob, Joe Bob Briggs is. I do. No? I think you've mentioned I've, you've mentioned him before. So Joe Bob Briggs introduces films and talks about them throughout. So you'll get twenty minutes of film and then he'll tell you some more information. Now the Mother's Day version I was watching had on it. Ah, what's his name? I should have wrote this down. He directed. The Green Inferno. It's Eli Roth. E okay? Eli Roth, yeah. So Eli Roth was his special guest, and they spoke about, which was Eli Roth's favourite film, Mother's Day. Lots of his films kind of had bits of this on there. Mm. Um, so if you haven't seen Mother's Day, have a watch. I'm not going to give much away about it, but it was a two-and-a-half-hour well, It's not a two-and-a-half-hour film, but when you add in all the, the breaks every 20 minutes, mm. that's where it gets to. I think it's just on Shudder anyway. Um, I don't think you need a VPN to watch. It is on the UK version. Um, yeah. I watched that, which is about two... The old uh, Cabin in the Woods, mad mother with two deranged, very weird-looking blokes <laughs> who like kidnapping people and doing things to them. That old chestnut. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you'd enjoy it, Larry. I don't know about you, Ewan, <laughs> but like... It's a lot of fun. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So and that's, that's 80s, 80s film, I think. Um, so that was that. I'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. So, Larry, what have you watched this week? So I haven't watched too much this week, but what I did watch was I watched the last episode of um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That was really good. I think that it it is set up perfectly now for what's to come next and i think that it ended without giving too much away but it ended um a lot better than what i thought it would i thought it was going to let down some of what it had built up but yeah, is it good it, yeah yeah it's, it's it is very good i'd say if if you're into marvel and, and you want to give um a watch it's six episodes and i think it's an a tight series that you can start finish and you'll be satisfied it's well, very I've very good so I've saved them up. Yeah. So I was going to do them all. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. You'll you'll really like it. I think it has. Uh, I, I was a bit worried that it would kind of not have a bookend. I thought it was just going to kind of leave it and go like, oh well, this was set up for something bigger. Which you know, Marvel like to do that at the end of their films a lot, where they're like, you know, this is what's coming next. But what I actually really respected about this series was that the the themes and issues it was dealing with. They the last episode, I was pleasantly surprised that I was like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I wanted. Um, this isn't what I've watched, but I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about on this podcast because of the film we were doing. But um, quite a, a while ago, I was, in, uh, I was able to go to the Universal Studios Horror Nights and they actually had nice. um, they actually had an American Wealth in London as one of the mazes. And wow. to walk through the sets. So you got to go through the cinema and you know you walk up and you have people trying to escort you out quickly like as you can see the the, nice. the wolf going around you got to go in the the hospital oh, the wow. the house um and yeah like one of the things i was really surprised about at the end which i just thought i'd mention was uh, you pub. mentioned earlier about they do have the pub they have the oh, outside and you have to walk it? you have to you yeah. have to walk through the front door and then they've got like you know um puppets and like they've got actors obviously like trying to scare you but they try and recreate each scene like the 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 pinnacle moment of each scene so you got to walk through a bit of the the london underground walking through there weren't any um escalators or anything but yeah just (laughs) just to mention earlier of like when you said about the size of it like in the film i do agree like when certain shots you could say oh how big is that but they actually had a full scale uh puppet of the final wolf and it is it was massive <laughs> like it was it's where it like broke for it was like hiding in the um uh so you'd walk around to trying to think the best way to explain it you'd walk through like a straight line through a curtain and at the end like of the of the of the the walkway you would see the like alleyway yeah and they it was a fake scare because you'd walk down you could hear it and then it would come out from your left hand side before you had to turn right and exit but this it just comes out it's huge and they it was to detail as well like specifically to it so i was pleasantly surprised so i'd say to anyone if you have a favorite horror film and obviously you, you obviously i know in light of like obviously covid and stuff but if ever there's a chance to go to one of the horror nights they do it very well like you get so to proper where live are they through. Uh, in florida so it's it's in universal studios and they what they do is each well again probably not i know they're reopening stuff now but um each year in october uh well probably september october november i think it runs through but they choose a selection of horrors and they build the mazes around them and the year the year i went they did freddy versus jason um they did uh walking dead insidious was on there um they did uh, american wealth in london they did like a uh uh, like one that wasn't actually based on an actual like horror film but it was based on like lore of horror which was um kind of the the i think they think they believe they were called like the collectors or something they were basically like these creatures like from another dimension in this big castle that were like typical like this sounds amazing because in this country you don't get hardly anything. No. Do you know what I mean? No, th- like, the closest is Thorpe Park, isn't it? Yeah, kind but look, like they, they do like paranormal nights and things, but you don't get anything that's like for horror. No, anything the London Dungeons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, 
You get to see the mummy at Madame Tussauds and that was something like that. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing, is there? Crap. Yeah, I would, I would, I would highly recommend it just because the sets that they do and you know, like walking through. Um, the, it was Freddy versus Jason, but they they had you, it was basically part one and like part two. So you'd walk through, and the first part was Nightmare on Elm Street, and you went yeah. through all the films of Nightmare on Elm Street. Then you did the second part and went through Friday the Thirteenth and went and through Jason all the films. in Manhattan. And oh, wow. I just, I, I found it, I found it so, <laughs> it knocks off his head just, <laughs> but uh, no, I just found it so like bizarre, like in a good way, because you walk yeah. through this like maze and you're walking through like in Nightmare on Elm Street, you're walking through Nancy's house and it's to wow. a T perfect. And you're just like, oh, this is kind of like creepy because obviously, you know, it's <laughs> fake and you know, like it's not real, but that aspect of it of like, I'm actually walking through like a film that is beloved and get to see those moments moments created in real life while being shit scared it's just that it's well, great. i need to go i need to get there i i, I, I don't think i could deal with like the walking dead one because i have a legitimate mm. fear i mean not not a legitimate fear but yeah. if like if, if zombies do end up happening <laughs> for, for whatever reason i wouldn't be able yeah. to i wouldn't be able to deal with that so we go for like a maze yeah. and it's like those it's like those um those things they do they do do in london well they did do them in london where it was essentially one of those Okay, like one of those events where you had to run from zombies. Zom- zombie runs, literally. Yeah, yeah, zombie runs, and I was just like, I think, I think, like on my, on my, it, like once in my job, I was invited to one of these things, and like my bosses were like, "Do you want to go go to this and review it?" I was like, "No." <laughs> because I mean, firstly, I wouldn't be able to do it anyway. But it was—it's sort of that. It's just—it's just the idea of like running or trying to run away from zombies. I mean, I've had nightmares from right about running away from zombies. So I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Love a zombie. It's, yeah, it's good. It's good. So I, I would recommend that to to it to people. If, if or at least watch like you know on YouTube, especially looking them up, just like how good they are. Like it's a good watch. How are you, Ewan? Well, I, I was telling Lawrence this a few days ago. Um, I've been sort of trying to catch up with um, loads of 80s movies that I just haven't seen. So it's funny that American Werewolf came up, actually, because I, I mean, I have seen that, but it came because I'm watching them all chronologically. American Werewolf just, just came at the right time because I've just finished uh, various films from 1980. Yeah. And they were just, just, just I, I mean, it, it mainly started like when I was at university with Lawrence and everyone had seen all these movies from the eighties, which I just hadn't, it just sort of passed me by. I think it was cause as a teenager, I was quite a sort of, you wouldn't have been alive, would you? Yeah, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But also I was like more into sort of art house European yeah. movies. I was, I was a bit of a, like, you know, just, <laughs> so sort of a, a, a bit pretentious. I would, I, I would have thought it's just sort of you know Bergman and sort of Anto, Antonioni. So I didn't really have time for eighties movies, but now I'm catching up. So I've watched like I watched the Blues Brothers for the first time. Wow, that's a good film. Really, yeah. really enjoyed that, and I didn't, I didn't expect to enjoy it that much. Another one is sort of Cruising, which is um, a, a film by William Friedkin. Is that a porn film? Uh, no, no, uh, but but, <laughs> I, 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 but but it is very homoerotic though. So I can I mean, imagine yeah. hey, that's uh, Exorcist guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because again, one of my favorite periods in cinema is the New Hollywood era of the sort of late sixties and early seventies. Yeah, um, and Cruising felt a lot like those films because it's sort of very gritty and sort of the colors are very deep um and it's al pacino um playing a detective who goes undercover to the underground gay scene in new york 
and he has to in order to try and find a serial killer who only targets gay men and it's actually it's actually really sounds like a really, good really good film, good film. yeah, um, yeah. And then I watched Fame as well, which again I didn't expect to enjoy at all, but I really, really liked it. What's the really, series? It is a series. It, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, definitely. I watch all sorts of stuff. I've been watching the Monsters. You know, <laughs> it's all series. You know, the Monsters is. Yeah. So I've been I've been watching and, that. The, the only other thing I've been watching that. I've kind of made my way through the first series and after second series was an idiot abroad. I touched on that last week. So I kind of finished the first series is about the wonders of the world. Seven is it? Um, and then he's on a, the second series is about a bucket list. So there's a hundred items and hundred things on this things to do before you die bucket list. But obviously, he wants to swim with dolphins, so they make him swim with sharks. So it's a lot. It's along those lines. So like, wherever he thinks he's doing, they ruin it. So they dress him as a woman. <laughs> he goes out with lady boys in Thailand. You know, all these. It's it's very funny, and I, I, it cheers me up. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's good. So, um, kind of getting towards the end now. Unless you got any more bits to add. Either of you? No, I think all no. best. I haven't really watched too much this week. It was very much just Falcon and the Winter Soldier oh. final. Jess is coming up with stuff. Hang on, two sex listeners. Right. Jess says five bonus. Her boyfriend. <laughs> her boyfriend three. To oh. the main actor, but six for the support cast. So. Oh. Yeah, so Jess is like, she's given some kind of good reviews recently, so that's quite a bad one for her, really. Um, mm. So that, that brings our score down a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to try and add it up, because someone had to correct me on it later anyway. So, like... <laughs> so, next week is our 50th episode. Actually, it's our 52nd, but it's actually a proper 50th episode, because we did a couple of like mini ones where we interview directors and things so like 50th episode so we're all gonna do what we're gonna do we have four movies we speak about 10 minutes about each one so for me and for your pleasure guys we're gonna watch swamp hate which is on prime (laughs) which i think is an american made kind of student film which jason brant from brant from uh he's an author and he said to me, like, by Twitter message, watch this film, Kev. Great. So, and he was right. I, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So, so that's for me. Jess has gone with a film called Core, which is about killer crows or ravens or something, which sounds amazing. So, we're going to. So, so, Ewan's gone with. Birdemic, Birdemic, which I don't yeah. know what a shock and terror is it, the first? Yep. <laughs> and Larry has come up with Birdemic 2, The Resurrection, <laughs> which sounds amazing. I'm the, you know, the Resurrection. So I'm presuming yeah. in Birdemic that the bird died, or is it multiple birds? I'm not sure. Oh, he's, yeah, so I was going to say. So all the birds just... died in the first one, but in the second one, all the Birds are resurrected, so sounds amazing. 